Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, this is Johnny, and welcome to episode 221 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here in Gran Canary, Spain at Work Labs co-working space, and I'm with Princess to Popper, Louise Croft. Wow, what a throwback. <laughs> is that not your blog still? Uh, yeah, it is, although I don't really use it anymore. I'm always in two minds about shutting it down because it's kind of like old Louise. It doesn't really talk much about being a nomad, but also it was such a big part of my life, you know? Like you put so much effort into a blog and I'm sure you're the same. And you're kind of like, I'll just pay for one more year of hosting and see what happens. I actually like that. I, I logged into it uh, just yesterday to check out your website again. Yeah. And I like how you've kind of pivoted your thrift shopping fashion <laughs> sprees into working online and traveling and it was actually kind of nice i think the fir- your first transition was you know instead of just um shopping at thrift stores or charity shops in london this is how you do it around the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally and that's it's still a really big part of my life so i guess maybe people who are listening might not know but now I do Digital Nomad Girl, which is a YouTube channel about being a nomad. But I started off with a blog about secondhand shopping, like thrift shopping, ethical shopping. And so I used to do outfit posts all the time. And still now, in fact, yesterday, I went shopping with a group of girls here in Gran Canaria and bought a whole new suitcase of clothes, pretty much. I came home, my husband was like, OK, <laughs> got some new clothes today. Um, but I love it. It's so cheap and it takes you to different areas of the city that you wouldn't normally go to. So... Um, but yeah, these days on my blog, I don't really post unless I have something I specifically want to say. And it's normally not about thrift shopping. <laughs> That's all right. I, I think people would be interested in thrift shopping on Grand Canary and the Canary Islands. Yeah. Like, did, you, did you have any uh, scores yesterday? Oh my gosh. I got so much stuff. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Everything here seemed to be like one or two euros. So it was excellent. I would definitely recommend it. Everywhere in Europe's got good thrifting, really. Well, actually, what's funny is even brand new clothes it's specifically here on this island. I'm not sure if it's the same in mainland Spain, but I went to go buy a jacket, like a puff jacket, because I was. It, it's colder than Sri Lanka. It's not cold, but I went and then I saw these T-shirts. They were like three euros, really brand new T-shirts, and I was and I thought it was just one shop, so I bought two shirts and trying to stay minimal and carry on only still. And I was so excited. And then I went to another store and they had it for two fifty euro. Wow. And another store had for two euro. And I was like, has, is it, are we just in this weird place in the world where everything is just so cheap? Yeah, well, I wonder if it's like outlet or whether that's the actual price. No, this was like a Zara. And mm. no, actually, yeah, so no, no, actually, it wasn't a Zara. I think it was because they're like local Spanish brands okay. that just have like fashion forward cheap clothes. It's like the Forever 21 for guys. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I guess that's why I like thrifting so much. I mean, there's a million reasons that I could do a whole podcast on it. But just because you can have those prices and you don't need to worry about the production, like all the money yesterday, I was boasting to everyone that I gave all this money to charity. And it's like, well, technically, yes, because, you know, the money they're doing that you're buying the clothes is for charity. But you also get this like amazing prices. So, yeah. And I guess another big part of it is now you're recycling old clothes mm-hmm. and that's not going to the dumpster. Yeah, exactly. I, I do the exact opposite. I feel kind of bad. I travel really light. So I buy these $3 shirts, wear it for a month or two while I'm there. And then yeah. I I like to give it away, but it's not always easy to find a place to give it yeah. away. So I normally just put it on the side of a dumpster and hope someone takes it. <laughs> yeah, that is actually, it's much harder for guys to thrift. But for me, 
I bought all these clothes yesterday secondhand and I'm going to wear them for the next couple of months in Grand Canaria and then I'm just going to donate them back to the thrift shop and someone else can buy them and that's how I shop so it means I can have an outfit that I only wear for one Instagram photo and it's still not harming the planet. That's kind of a, a good secret. Yeah, Where, that's what I do. So my yeah. my suitcase of clothes changes like pretty much every location. That is a hot tip after 221 <laughs> episodes. If you are an Instagrammer and you want to have different outfits in different countries around the world, go to thrift shops, you know, shop to your heart's desire for your 20 euros or whatever it is, <laughs> and then bring the, the donate the clothes back after. That's yeah. awesome. I consider them like a library, the thrift shops. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I really like it. And your thrifting has gotten you featured in a bunch of cool publications. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of press from it back yeah. in the day. Daily Mail, uh-huh. Stylus, Mirror, which I'm sure you're <laughs> very proud of. Pick Me Up, Guardian, Cosmopolitan, and Marie Claire. Yeah. So I've been in some actual print magazines and some really big online stuff, which is cool. Um, yeah. The Mirror one was actually really interesting because they contacted me to write about me um but they said instead of us writing about you would you like to write it and get paid and become a regular journalist for us i was like wow well that's an easy question i was in bali so i was doing like bits and pieces of freelancing you know i wasn't making a ton of money so i was like 100% i would like to write about myself for money <laughs> that's cool so are you responsible for writing those um mirror.uk posts like david beckham seen without a shirt in bali <laughs> I wish I could do such good research. No, I was doing, um, well, they basically let me pitch anything I wanted. So I mostly started using it to promote my own stuff or my friend's stuff. <laughs> so I would do like a Christmas gift guide featuring like all these interesting Nomad products. Or um, I did some thrift ones like top tips. But yeah, I could just basically do anything I could think of that they accepted as a pitch. And I did that for several months. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. I didn't realize you were a contributing writer here for the UK's top publication. <laughs> I know, seriously, it's so crazy. So for, for the Americans and everyone else who doesn't know The Mirror, I first heard about it when I would click random links on Facebook to articles on The Mirror, and it was always blocked in Thailand. And oh, I, really? And I couldn't figure out why. And I finally asked a British person, and they're like, yeah, it's because they're kind of like the National Enquirer. So sometimes they will write like random pieces about like, the Thai princess or something. Yeah. And like Thailand just doesn't want people reading yeah. it. So they blocked the entire domain. That's so Thailand. <laughs> yeah. You know, I sometimes I forget that Thailand is very controlling of the internet because yeah. we are so free there. Like, I feel like we can just do whatever we want as long as it doesn't directly affect Thailand. Yeah. So you can basically, you know, we, you know, we met there now, what, five years ago? Yeah, something like that. And it's still one of my favorite places I go back to every year because mm. it feels so free there. Mm. Yeah. yeah, totally. We're going back this year and we haven't been for a couple of years because we've missed the season a few times for other reasons. And we're so desperate to go back. We're just like, oh, Thailand, I love it. And every year in, you know, January, my whole Facebook feed is full of people in Chiang Mai and just so much FOMO. Yeah. So I hope to see you there in January. And yeah, we're going to be there. Perfect. And I hope to see everyone else there. This year's Nomad Summit in, actually, I guess next year's Nomad Summit in Chiang Mai is going to be I think the weekend of January 18th, 2020. So put that in your calendars. Go to nomadsummit.com. Sign up for the email list to get updated. And we we haven't start, started selling tickets yet, but if anyone's interested, put it in your calendar, sign up for the email list, and you'll be the first to know. Woohoo! 
So how did we first meet? Do you remember? Um, I think I might have already seen your stuff online. I mean, it was pretty early for you as well. Like both of us were pretty fresh off the boat. I think you you'd been going for a bit longer than us. Um, but I moved to Chiang Mai with plenty of money. <laughs> you know, I had enough money for a return flight. Um, but no clue what I was going to do for work. So I'd been out of university for like a year and I'd been doing I'd actually been working with thrift shops doing interior design and consulting and I was having a great time but it wasn't remote um and my husband was a developer and he was kind of already accidentally nomadic um so when he said he was going to Thailand yeah oh, sorry were you two already married at that time no okay no we only got married last year um but he was already kind of nomading. And when he said he was going to Thailand, I was like, I am coming to Thailand. There's no way I'm letting you go to Thailand without me because that's just my dream. Um, but I had no idea what I was going to do online. So I moved to Chiang Mai and I was like, just going to ask everybody that I meet what they do until I find something that I can do. Um, and I remember I came to you and I was like, hey, Johnny, I'm going to do dropshipping and you do dropshipping, right? And you were like, yeah, dropshipping is really cool, but I think it doesn't make the most of your talents. And it was good because you told me you didn't say no you were like if you want to do drop shipping I'm sure you can do it but I think your talents would be really suited to you to me and I was like what is you what is you to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um so to kind of pause there it's funny that everybody always accuses me of just telling everyone to drop ship yeah because that's what I did but if you look at if you listen to this podcast there's 221 episodes we only talk about drop shipping in like five episodes <laughs> And everyone's like, yeah, that's all Johnny ever pushes. And I'm like, no, I'm lit- I literally have a podcast where I spend a- an hour every week telling people about different business ideas. Yeah. And the same thing with Nomad Summit, somebody had accused the Nomad Summit of being all about dropshipping. And I was like, we've only had two speakers out of like 30 people ever talk <laughs> about dropshipping. It's always different topics. Yeah. And, you know, it's been a really successful part of your life. So, of yeah. course, you recommend it. But personally, you said to me, you think it's not the number one thing that I should start trying. Um, you know, you can come to it and I'm sure it will work. But yeah, Especially because you're from the UK. Yeah. And I think it's gone a little bit better here now um, for people in the UK. But especially at the time, it just wasn't very, it, it wasn't a popular thing yet in the UK. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you were American, if you were Australian, or ironically, if you are from, like, Sweden and Norway, mm-hmm. basically... Any place where people are comfortable buying stuff online with a credit card that that Amazon doesn't ship everything, yeah, those places people do really well. Yeah. And the U.S. is just a big market, so it's easy. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, even though people make it work in the U.K., and uh, especially now, it just what it was like a really hit or miss place. Like, yeah, yeah. So for you, I was like, yeah, you know what? Y- you don't have that many like super tech e-com skills. Yeah, but you are great. In front of the camera, like I can tell you can you can be great in front of the camera. Yeah. You you have all these passions that you're into. And at the time, I think I had just started being successful at Udemy and I was like, mm-hmm. you should give this a shot. And it's funny because you kind of need someone from the outside to see these things in you. Like I remember at the time you had courses with Larissa, um, and you guys were saying to me, like, you should make a course about fashion because your clothes are really cool and I was like I am not a qualified personal stylist there's no way I can teach this like I don't know what I'm doing um you know I have a fashion blog but I'm just nobody you know who am I and so I made a course with Larissa about fashion she was like okay we'll do one together like I'll hold your hand all the way through oh that's sweet (laughs) yeah it was so nice and I remember we 
I'd, I'd underestimated how much you can improvise with your location because we had a, you know, one of those big wheelie trash cans. That was our tripod um, <laughs> piled up on some books and... I had a camera with me because I was a fashion blogger. So I had a camera. I think she had a microphone, but we just filmed it in our bedroom, like against the plain wall, trying to pretend we were in a studio. And I didn't realize that you could do that and make it look professional. And you totally can. Yeah, I've seen that. And I remember her telling, I think, I don't know if she took a behind the scenes photo. Yeah, we put it on Instagram. And it was literally a camera on a trash can, on a rubbish bin. Yeah. And it came out great. Yeah, it was so good. So that was really incredible for me because she showed me how to edit. She showed me how to log into Udemy. Like, I'd never even heard of the site, so I definitely hadn't touched it before. Um, And once we made one, I was like, I'm hooked. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. And so if you guys haven't been listening to the podcast for a long time, Udemy is a platform where anyone can make a course. Yeah. Right. And... It was really new back then. This was 2014, maybe. Mm. And I was dating Larissa, and she was teaching English. Mm -hmm. And we had decided, before we created Josh Ring Store together, let's do a Udemy course because this is something that's a little bit more flexible with our time Mm. and doesn't require any tech skills or minimal tech skills. And I don't think I ever told you the story on how I found Udemy. No. Nobody was creating courses at the time or nobody we knew it wasn't part of it like it wasn't a digital nomad um you know tip kind of job thing it was just a an online course place and i was looking through it and the courses were really bad and i remember looking at one of the top courses in personal development which i was super into and it was called small talk you know something and it was from this indian dude who had a really bad accent really crappy microphones you can barely hear him and the advice wasn't very good. Yeah. And he had like tens of thousands of students selling at like, you know, $200. And I did the math. I was like, this guy's made $20 million from this course. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, there's no, I was like, no, there's no way. There's no possible way. And I started being very like kind of skeptical about it. But I was like, all right, even if he, he made 10% of that, he still made, you know, X amount of money. I was like, let's give this a shot. So I had looked it up. I had asked people. No one I knew in the whole nomad scene had created a Unimi course. And that's when I said to Larissa, let's give this a shot. Like, what do we have to lose? Yeah. And it doesn't take up that much of your time. And I remember having the exact same thoughts after I'd made this one with Larissa and I was totally converted. You went on and everything was just terrible on there. You know, no one was filming themselves talking to camera. It was all PowerPoints with voiceover with a bad microphone. And... I guess you always think this when you look back, but I've made like 35 courses. I wish I'd made 300 courses because you don't realize you're early to stuff and you're thinking, well, lots of people have already put courses on here and I don't have anything to teach. And if I had just gone like in, (laughs) then I'm already the leader in a bunch of awesome keywords, but I could have been the leader in even more. And, you know, you always look back and wish you'd just gone even harder at something when it was working. Yeah, definitely. But I think when we're first, we're, we're, like at that moment, it's a huge gamble because yeah. we don't like everything in in retrospect is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. I think uh, I met a girl with a tattoo that was like a bunch of lines and some dot dot dots, and she said that it was a quote by someone that was basically you can only connect the dots in hindsight. Oh, nice. So everything that's happening to you right now in your life, you know, or whatever business you're doing right now, it's very it's never going to be clear until mm. you look back on it. Yeah. So at the time. 
it could have been a huge waste of time for us to create, you know, more courses. Mm. Maybe it wouldn't have sold. Maybe Udemy would have gotten sold or taken down. Yeah. So I think now definitely 100% after, especially after talking to you and seeing how well you're doing with it, I wish I would have made more Udemy courses. Yeah. Because I remember thinking the standard was really low, but I don't know. You just, when you look back, it's so much easier. But I mean, my first month I made $20 or something. So it wasn't as if it just blew up straight away. You know, it takes time. And when I look back at the graph now, it was like $20, then $50, then $60. And that was enough for me to carry on because I wasn't making money from anything else. So I just started making more courses. But you do have to really stick with things. And I think a lot of people now say to me like, oh, I've made a course or I've started this business and it's not making very much money. So I need a new idea. And sometimes you have to just stick with something for a while. Yeah, definitely. And I think, so part of the the talk I'm doing on both of my crews, and I might actually do it for the Nomad Summit because it's not being recorded, is calculating the lifetime value of Mm. time spent. So for my Udemy courses, I probably spent two to three weeks filming and editing and putting them up. And even though they might only make 50 bucks a month. They've now been making 50 bucks a month for four years, which really adds up to a lot of money. Yeah. So that first course that Larissa and I made together is called Small Talk Networking, How to Talk to Anyone. That course has now been selling since 2013 or 2014. Mm. And it's now made us each, you know, $8,000 or something crazy. Yeah. Like and for two or three weeks of work. And if I had only been smart enough to either promote it more or make more courses... That could be, you know, times 25 or 35 like like yours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just never know what something's going to turn into. And I think your time is limited and you can't go in full time on everything. But when I was first starting out and I didn't have any other options, I'm really glad that I found Udemy. Yeah, I like it. So your first course is called Fashion style yourself flawlessly yeah and it was larissa's idea because she was saying you should do a fashion course and i was like well i'm not a personal stylist you know i have no qualifications my degree's in business for goodness sake and she said why don't we do fashion for real women like how to just dress buy stuff on the high street and just dress for your shape and dress confidently um and i guess because you guys had done the small talk thing she made it a lot about confidence and self-worth and that was a really cool angle and since then i've done a makeup one kind of by a similar name, like, you know, everyday makeup. And those things still sell really well because you forget there's so many people out there who are just really daunted by marketing and kind of don't know where to begin. And they just want a nice, friendly English person <laughs> to tell them what to do. Yeah. I think the the, the biggest problem, though, with these type of courses, we're, we're thinking of the topic ourselves and not going the marketing route of doing, like, mm-hmm. keyword research first, is even though the course itself might be really good, and might be very valuable to people watching it, it's really hard for people to find it because they're not thinking about it in the first place. Yeah, that's a lesson I've definitely learned along the way. Yeah. One of the mistakes that we made was our second course was called Relationship Ready. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, tips and steps to basically make yourself ready before you get into a relationship. And it was a really, you know, it's a really good course with really good topics, but nobody's searching for that. Yeah. And that's our kind of worst performing course versus Small Talk, it was literally, we found something that was ranking high already that was low quality. So we know the keyword, like, uh, you know, search density was very high. Mm-hmm. And we basically backwards analyzed that and said, a lot of people are looking for this. There isn't a good course about it. So we're going to make a good course. Yeah. And Udemy actually now have a, like, backend service for the instructors where you can type in a keyword and it will tell you whether it's competitive, whether it's performing well, what the 
other courses on it are like so they actually offer that now which is really cool because I made that mistake a lot and it sounds to me like relationship ready is the kind of thing that would do really well like self-hosted with promotions with like webinars all this stuff you know which you're not going to go down but because it's called relationship ready that's kind of like a blingy catchphrase name rather than just keywords you know maybe if you just called it dating advice or something way more basic then it might be what people are searching for yeah maybe we should just change that title and and i change the titles all the time of stuff yeah just to see what happens you never know you know what after this call (laughs) after this podcast i'm gonna do that because it's it's so louis and i are still splitting the profits of all the courses and that's a cool thing about Udemy mm. is you can just make two instructor accounts. You can make courses with anyone and then you do the split. Udemy pays both of you separately mm. and you never have to deal with it. And you can choose the percentage. So if you want to do 90-10 or something, then you can. Udemy just let you type in any percentage, which is cool. Yeah, I think that's really nice. Yeah. And that was actually a kind of another tip is if someone didn't want to be in, fr- in front of the camera, they can offer to film the course, edit the course, market it, have someone else be in front of it. Like you know a yoga teacher or something that maybe isn't yeah. very technical yeah and then they can take whatever percentage they want yeah and that's exactly what i've ended up doing um because you know i made three or four courses in quick succession i was totally hooked and then i was like now i have nothing to teach <laughs> you know at the start i thought i had nothing and then i discovered i did have some things but i was straight out of university so i really didn't have very much that i could teach people so I think most people at that point would have just stopped and been like, okay, back to dropshipping or back to a job or whatever. But I decided to start filming other people. And I was really lucky that my dad is a business coach. So I kind of had access to someone who knew about interesting topics and he teaches in real life, but he's always meant to teach online. You know, it's on a lot of people's kind of to-do list that they never actually get to, to start an online presence. Um, so the next time I was back in the UK, I was like, hey, let's make a course together. And before I knew it, I was doing that for tons of people. And that is now kind of my full-time gig. So you made a course to your dad? Yeah, I've actually got a bunch with him. He's amazing on camera. Like, if you think if you think I'm a natural on camera, you should meet my dad. Wow, I definitely want to meet this guy now. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. He's really interesting. And I soon discovered I had another kind of insecure moment at doing that because I was like, well... I'm not an editor. I haven't had any training in camera skills or audio skills. I can't possibly film other people. They're going to be like, what the hell did you create? This is terrible. But it's actually not super hard to make it for a Udemy level quality. So, you know, I had a nice camera. I had a nice mic. You just kind of press the on button. And I'm sure some people with professional training would do a better job than me. But that wasn't the value proposition. What I've discovered weirdly is that the value proposition is the commitment. So I think of myself almost like a gym partner, you know, where you're like, let's go running at 8am and you have to do it because they're going to show up and do it with you. And that's what I've become for Udemy. And the instructors don't really realize this. They think that my value is doing the editing and the filming, but they could do that themselves. But the thing is that they never actually make the course because it's like a future to-do list and it's a big hurdle to overcome and it takes a lot of time and maybe they film it but they never edit it or they write it but they never film it and with me it's like well I'm coming on Friday and I'm going to bring a camera so you better be ready Um, and it's great for them because they're an expert in their subject so they can easily talk for two hours to my camera and then that's all they have to do I edit it I upload it to Udemy I make the thumbnail like all these bits and pieces that they'd have to learn and so it just makes it happen and that's actually been the biggest value that I offer to people which is so weird. It's not no, all the technical skills. I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, like you can have a gym coach mm-hmm. that 
is just having you do what you were going to do anyways. But the chances of you actually doing it on your own are very small. Yeah. (laughs) So if you can say, I guarantee you'll have a course up in the next two months and it's going to be making sales versus you can try to do this on your own, but there's a very good chance you put it off forever. Yeah. It's it's better to go go with you. Yeah. And, you know, these days I do have technical skills and I do a bit more producing. I'll say to them, you know, could you do that line again because it wasn't that good or whatever. But back in the day, I just showed up with my blogging camera and I was like, I'm your gym partner. Let's film. <laughs> but one good thing that we, we both did was from day one, we made decent video quality mm. and good audio quality. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Is... Even though you can kind of get away with having bad audio four years ago, mm-hmm. we kind of knew that if you want it to be evergreen, or maybe thankfully we, we accidentally made it evergreen, where even today, four or five years later, the, our old videos are still good quality. Yeah, totally. And I feel like maybe that's quite hard to put your finger on, but there's some kind of balance between MVP, like just getting things out there as quickly as possible and just seeing what works and producing something that you're not proud of. And so although we did it quickly and we were improvising with a trash can, it's still something where when we released it, I was like, wow, this is really good. And I want to be better than the other courses that are on Udemy. And now when I look back at my first couple of courses, you know, I've come a long way. They, I'm kind of embarrassed by them, but they haven't aged that badly because at the time I did the best job I could. And I had a good camera and I had a good mic, like you said. And I really thought Udemy would just be a couple of years, you know, how long can this realistically last? But like you said, it's just been, well, I mean, it's been going up over the past five years. And I really thought the courses would expire more quickly than they have. Yeah. And I, I, I also believe the same. And when it comes to like doing something quickly, plugging in a USB mic doesn't take that much time. All yeah. Right? Like having a camera with okay, like having a setup so you have good lighting and, you know, you have a stable tripod, even if it's made out of a trash can doesn't take that much work yeah right like it, these are things that just take a few minutes uh i think today if the minimum requirement requirements for people would be try to d- film in 1080p you know don't worry about 4k and having everything yeah. be you know top of the line mm-hmm. but i have a feeling that if we started filming things in 720p now it's going to expire in a few years yeah uh and audio what's nice about it is getting a usb mic as long as the audio is good today, it'll always be good. Like mm. it's it's one of those things that like doesn't ever change. You can listen to a really good audio recording that's quiet without static from ten years ago, and it'll still sound like a good audio recording today. Yeah, it doesn't age the same way video does. In fact, the other day, casual name drop, I met um, Shakira's producer. Pretty Shakira, cool. Shakira. <laughs> and he was telling me, I didn't know this. If you're in the music business, you probably know this, but they like track down the really old equipment um like the speakers and i don't know the mixing desks or whatever from like the 70s and they're really valuable and really rare and it's still what the top producers use because it has the best sound and i was like that's crazy sound just really doesn't age in the same way that video does yeah well maybe it gives it like a unique sound yeah you know but either way um if anyone wants to create the udemy courses it is a i don't want to say it's late to the game uh it's still possible, right? But it's more competitive. It's yeah. definitely more competitive. I think nowadays you really have to do some more research. You have to do a bit of self-promotion to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a 
good value, good quality course. You can't just be first anymore. Yeah, but I'm still releasing several courses a year. Like I still think it's a good space to be in. Um, you just have to be more discerning. Like you said, you have to choose your topic really wisely. Speaking of topics, were there any courses that just kind of didn't do very well? Oh yeah, absolutely. That was probably a mistake I made at the beginning while I was kind of honing in on what sells. Um, and like you said, with Relationship Ready, you know, it needs to be something people are searching for. So I fell into the trap, which is probably very common, of thinking no one is doing this, so it's great. You know, I'm the first one. So for example, I made one about badminton um, because I was thinking sport is big <laughs> and no one on Udemy was teaching badminton I think I'm still the only badminton course on Udemy <laughs> but I was like this is great no one's doing this my friend is really into badminton I'll film her we can make a course together but sometimes there isn't any because nobody wants it um and so still I think that course has made like ten dollars lifetime wow like ever um and I've made a few courses like that that have never made any money basically um and I don't know, I guess I regret them because they took up my time and haven't made any money, but it has helped me learn, like narrow down in on what works. Um, so that one, the problem was that there was no competition. So now I wouldn't release something that doesn't have several pages of results um, where I think I can rank. You want to be on page one, of course, um, but you want to have other pages as well, <laughs> just to validate the market a bit. Oh, that's interesting. I think a lot of people would think, if there's more than three or four courses, let's not even do it. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't make a course that had that few. I'd want several pages probably. Okay. But I guess you'd also want to look and see if you can get to the first page, right? Yeah, yeah. What are some ways that you can look at four pages of results and be like, I can make it to number one or I can make it to the first page? So the thing that's cool about Udemy um and this is probably true for Google as well. I don't know much about that SEO, but if you can get a bunch of sales in your first day or two, then Udemy give you a chance on the front page. So quite often, if you look at your keywords, you know, the top one's got 200 reviews, the next one's got 180, and then the next one's got like 10. And you're kind of like, why is this one the third when the one after it's got 400? Um, and if you can get a bunch of five-star reviews in your first 24, 48 hours, then Udemy give you a shot on the front page and just see if you keep selling if you're this like hot and new you know course um and then if you do generate more sales because people are finding you from udemy then they let you stay there or they boost you up so you just really need to try and push it in those first few days and when you say push it are, are you giving away free courses are you marketing it you know from your side like how, how are you pushing it a combination now that i work with other instructors mostly it's not normally me behind the camera i normally try and choose someone who has some kind of mailing list like some kind of online presence where they can promote it um you can also generate your own audience by going to facebook groups and things like that i never spend any money on ads but you can normally find your audience somewhere um these days on udemy well probably on everything it's better if you can get paid sales at the start um you can give away the course for free some people give away the course to like ten thousand for free they give away tons in big forums but the most people think now that that's bad because then your student engagement is really low um I'm amazed how fast the 10,000 can sell out. And I assume a lot of them must be bots because it's literally, you know, in a couple of hours, you've just wiped out your 10,000. So I used to do that back in the day because that was the conventional wisdom now. But I think these days it's not recommended because it makes your engagement so bad. Yeah. David Vu said the same thing. He gave a yeah. talk at the Nomad Summit. He had the number one business course for a while. And he said he, he's never given away a course for free Yeah, because those those people don't watch it. They don't take the time to do review and 
it's it just yeah it makes it look like you have a crappy course that no one cares about yeah but what he'll do is he'll uh, actually maybe not him but I think what people can do is you can discount it and say like here's a you know a coupon for ten bucks or something yeah because as long as someone, someone pays something they're going to be much more likely to watch it and review it yeah so what we normally do now is we do a few free coupons to the mailing list but less than the list will need um so for example with my dad's courses we do 200 free coupons and they go in like five minutes and then in the newsletter it also says but if you miss those great news it's only ten dollars um and so we generate a lot of sales from that and i think if we just put it out for ten dollars people would feel like it was kind of advertising um and maybe there wouldn't be as much engagement but because you've already clicked through for the free one you've already bought it in your mind and then when you get there it's sold out um so then a lot of them go through and buy the paid one yeah i like that so uh, i think the biggest complaint of the reason why people won't put their courses on udemy won't make one is Mm -hmm. that udemy's basically has a $10 sale every other week. Oh, yeah. What And they also take a big percentage. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? So my average sale per student, like my average take home is $3. Um, so it's really a mass market game, um, which is why, like we were saying earlier, you need to choose the right keywords. <laughs> um, and that's also why I have so many courses because I need to be generating thousands of students every month. And each student, maybe they buy a few of your courses, but it's not like it's a subscription. Once they've bought your course, they're done. So you need to be generating a massive number of eyeballs to make money on Udemy. But I guess at the same time, the average cup of coffee is three dollars at Starbucks, and they do fine. <laughs> yeah, totally, exactly. Um, you know, it works for me, and a lot of people prefer to self-host and they ask why I don't self-host and I think if you're starting out Udemy is a really good way to test the market learn how to do editing just reduce the hurdles because otherwise a lot of people never even get started on Udemy because you know of the hurdles but I think if you're getting started on self-hosting there's so many more hurdles to overcome you have to learn to build a teachable website and you know do marketing and do Facebook ads and all this stuff so I think it's a really good idea to start on Udemy just so that you can work on one skill at a time. Um, And after that, you can see if you want to self-host. You can always take your courses off Udemy and host them yourself. The reason that I don't is because Udemy is so damn easy. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure I could sell them for a higher price and I'm sure I could keep all of the margins myself if I hosted it myself. But learning all those new skills and moving it away is just such a big hurdle for me and I just it's so passive it's so juicy I just leave it to do its thing yeah I I agree and I think a lot of times people don't realize Udemy is a platform just like eBay is or Amazon is you can make more money if you sell your product directly on your own website versus on Amazon or on eBay but we're gonna get the customers yeah you know you're gonna have to spend your your time marketing running ads Mm -hmm. you know building up the email list building up traffic while on udemy or on amazon there's already traffic so yeah like let them have a percentage it's yeah fine. so it depends what you're optimizing for right now i'm optimizing for passive income mm-hmm. of which udemy is so beautifully passive um and also i'm optimizing for diversity so you know we're starting other things and it just gives us more options and i could go all in on courses but 
my personal preference is to have more diversity and also just for like psychological well-being i just like to do a mixture of things so i make udemy courses and i let udemy sell them for me nice what else are you working on besides udemy courses um well i do my youtube channel which takes up quite a bit of my time so i really enjoy making that um I don't really make any money from YouTube. And for me, that's kind of deliberate. I mean, you know, it's nice to get the odd affiliate click through and things like that. But for me, it's kind of a way to give back to the community that's given me so much. So I really like helping people get started. Um, and it, I'm probably the same as you, even if no one watched them, I'd be making videos. Um, I know I've heard you say that about your blog. You just love writing blog posts, regardless of the money. Um, and somehow when you do things like that, money follows. But I just really enjoy doing my channel as kind of, I consider it mentoring. People are often ask me if I offer mentoring um, like one-on-one -on -one, and I always just say I don't do mentoring but there's hundreds of videos on my channel and it's exactly the same thing so yeah I like that so you're a digital nomad girl yeah do you ever get confused with the Facebook group well I didn't realize they existed I think we probably started at a similar time um, so we're actually really good friends and we did a collaboration video a few weeks ago when I went to Bulgaria with them um, I do occasionally get tagged in posts for them and vice versa, but I love it. I'm just like, hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, so shout out to Jennifer Locks. <laughs> yeah, she's here next week, I think. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I think I've, I actually saw her here in uh, Las Palmas or Grand Canary last time I was here. Oh, cool. So we hung out there and then again in Chiang Mai. But yeah, it's, I guess, it's, yeah, it's confusing because on Instagram and on YouTube, if you search for Digital Nomad Girl, it's you. Yeah. Louise Croft. <laughs> and then if, they, if you search Facebook groups, it's Jennifer's group. Yeah. I don't even have a Facebook page because I just don't want to spread Jenny's myself group. too thinly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's fun. They're a really good group. I really enjoy being part of that. Yeah. Okay, cool. And like, okay, so real quick, back to back to you and me. Um, I was surprised that actually one of your best courses or perform the I'm assuming it's one of your best performing courses or just has the most reviews is something has nothing to do with like fashion or business or anything. It's called Life Mastery. That ha one's got the most reviews? Yeah. Wow, you know more than me. Happiness, health and success has 297 five-star reviews. Wow. Yeah, that's that's actually one of my dad's courses. Um, and so he's a business coach, but he really wants to move over more into like happiness um, because maybe it's an age thing, but you soon realize that's that's the key to life. Um, so he's really passionate about happiness. And that course is really cool because it's super practical. You know, it's from a business teacher. So he talks a lot about time management and saying no to things and how to deal with your boss and all that kind of stuff that's very practical, but is kind of how you reach happiness is through practical daily changes. Yeah, I, I, I think that's cool. And I think it's cool that... A lot of people assume that if you're going to make a um, a course online, it has to be about how to make money mm. or it has to be about how to make courses. You know, it has to be kind of in that little bubble. Mm -hmm. But it's not true. You know, like I think those those also make a lot of money because people want it. It's a very viable. People can get an yeah. instant like return on investment for it. Like that's why other you know courses on how to do something like how to how to how to monetize a blog how to drop ship how to do this make a lot of money because people can get their money back from it after a few months but these intangibles like how to be happier mm. they also do well which i'm very happy about 
Yeah, there's some really interesting areas on Udemy that are really successful. So photography is massive on Udemy. Um, and yes, you can make money from photography, but I imagine most of the people taking that course are doing it for leisure. Um, and there's this one like kind of cult famous Udemy uh, woman who does a course about how to make sourdough bread. And she is balling. She makes so much money. So I think if you can find your right niche, then you can do really well, but you just need to think about the mass market. I like that. And you know what? As sad as it sounds, I would really like to make my own sourdough bread. Exactly. Well, her cost is only $10, I'm yeah. sure. That's cool. I, I, it makes me happy to hear people doing well teaching passions. Yeah. You know, you know, as well as teaching other things. Because I, I think every, there's there's something for everyone. Right? Mm. Um, so I was really excited that I have watched my total lifetime Udemy revenue climb from you know making 50 bucks, 150 bucks a month to now having a grand total of over $20,000. No way. So I was very happy, very like very proud of myself, especially because it's something that I haven't really focused on in a couple of years. It's completely passive income. Yeah, and that's after the Udemy cut and after Larissa's cut. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's it's whatever that big number is every time you log yeah, in. Yeah, that's that's your money in your pocket. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's cool knowing that Larissa is also getting 50% of all the courses we made. Mm-hmm. So even though she's back in South Africa and we're no longer together, she's still benefiting from something that we we did uh, together, which is mm. cool. Yeah. Uh, but then I uh, was talking to you about how much you're making per <laughs> month. And I was like, you know, I should have focused a little bit more on this because now <laughs> you're making how much per month from you to me? So I solidly make 10 grand a month. Um, I'm sneaking up towards quarter of a million lifetime, which I'm very excited to cross. I don't know how I'm going to celebrate. Wow, but... <laughs> that's 10 times the amount I've made from you to me. That's crazy. But it's weird when you think, you know, the first month was $20. And I think people think stuff like this is unattainable. And this is kind of cheesy, but when we met, you were making 10 grand a month and that was my dream and it seemed really far away. And so I think it's important when you hear people on this podcast and you know, they're millionaires, they're making so much money and possibly to you right now, 10 grand a month sounds like a lot and it is a lot and I'm really grateful and I've worked really hard and it's taken several years, but it's totally thrif- doable. A lot of thrifting potential. I know, yeah. <laughs> I spent 20 euros yesterday and I got a whole new suitcase of clothes. So I don't want to know what I could do with 10 grand. Um, but yeah, it's it's totally attainable. You have to just find something that works for you and just have resilience, like keep doing the thing that works. Yeah, and especially, I, I would say a really good advice to everyone is pick something, focus on it, mm-hmm. put your heart into it, do it well, and don't listen to the naysayers. Yeah. Because I guarantee if you ask around or if you look on Facebook groups, you know, on Reddit, like is, you know, should I, should I make courses in Udemy? Mm-hmm. I guarantee you'll read a bunch of kind of negativity and hate from people saying, no, Udemy sucks. Yeah. And and sometimes they're semi-valid excuses, right? Like they'll say like, yeah, Udemy takes a big cut of it or they're always on sale Mm -hmm. or you don't, like you can't, you don't have the email addresses to your students. Yeah. And these are all technically correct. Yeah. The problem with people giving you half information or like repeating, you know, regurgitating like negative information Mm -hmm. is they don't... most of them don't understand or take the time to explain to you like the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like who cares? You know, like if I'm sure it'd be nicer if, you know, d- d- you know, Udemy gave you even more money or they gave you even more control. But yeah. at the end of the day, who cares? You're making 10 grand a month yeah. from something that is completely passive that, and, and anyone who's complaining, like saying, Oh, I don't want to start because, 
blah, X, Y, Z, because I read X, Y, Z online. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're not making 10 grand a month, they, sh- they just need to shut up and do some work. And it's hard because we're quite weird that we're transparent about our income. <laughs> like, that's very unusual. So most things that you look at, you see, you know, the one-star reviews, people saying it doesn't work. And maybe you see the one poster child who's making a million and you don't see anything in between. And you forget that, yeah, there's a lot of people who are only making a small amount, but there's also a lot of people who are doing really well on it and just aren't in the forums. I would say the vast majority of people who are doing well or successful and making, you know, a couple thousand dollars mm-hmm. or more a month from, from Udemy or any business, yeah. whether it's drop shipping or Amazon or eBay, whatever it is, they don't have time to hang out yeah. and talk shit in Facebook groups or on Reddit. Yeah. Like they don't have time to answer, you know, like answer people's negativity or like they might do it once. Yeah. Like if you search enough back in the day, they might have said once, like, no, actually it's a great platform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then they they don't that's not their job to go and correct people every single day yeah but the people that do have time to just kind of keep other people down or just give excuses on why they didn't do it they're the ones that have all day to hang out in these groups mm-hmm. and also if you're making a kind of medium amount then you're busy hustling you want to grow it or you're running several different income streams so they're the people who have the least time i think the really big earners you know, they're being wheeled out by Udemy, like, look how much money you can make. So there's this huge pool of people in between who are just busy trying to grow it and trying to run multiple income streams. Yeah, and they have no incentive to encourage other competitors yeah. to come come on board. Yeah, like, we're very weird that we encourage people to do what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, and but, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think that's just our personality. Yeah. Like, I had no reason to tell you or anyone else to do Udemy. Yeah. Like, even though you haven't directly competed, like, competed with me, I'm sure by us telling more people, like, it has hurt our sales. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it forces us to always kind of level up, move forward, and just, you know, and be better at other things. Yeah. It's that, like, abundancy mindset of competitors are going to come, so you just better be ready and you better be the best. Yeah. And I think that mentality of you know, of abundance is going to make sure we're successful in everything we do, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to attract other successful people to mm-hmm. want to share ideas, you know, you know, co- you know co- collaborate, help out mm-hmm. versus if we, we had the negative mentality or the scarcity mentality, like nobody would want to tell you their secrets because yeah. you're not telling them either. Yeah. I always think I'd rather those competitors were in my friendship group. I always kind of call it like keep it in the family, like keep the money circling around with people who you know or people who've learned from you. And also then you can learn from each other. Like you and I have been swapping Udemy information and I think that's great. If you you kind of pay it forward, it means that other people you know are also growing with you and that's kind of the whole point of life. Yeah. And you know, it's cool like when we sat down at dinner the other day with you know, David Vu and a bunch of other successful entrepreneurs. And he just kind of casually mentioned, uh, you know, like the strikes against his uh, Udemy account because he had mm. too many links in there and too many things. And he got his, his course taken down. You were like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me all about it. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, he's lucky. He's really lucky that even though he was making a ton of money from his courses, he also has a bunch of other income streams where, like, it really wasn't a big deal. Yeah. So even though it sucked, he was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll deal with it and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll like change the course to, to whatever they want. But mm-hmm. he's not freaking out because it's not his only stream of income. Yeah. And it's nice like having that inside knowledge, you know, because then like you can take a look at your courses and be like, okay, like, am I like, d- did I make any of these mistakes as well? Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. And I guess that's where it's worrying having you're building on someone else's land. You know, Udemy can just take your course down, but they tell you why and you can get it put back up again. Um, and also that's where it's nice to have different streams of income. I think that can give you a lot more security if you're worried about the fact that Udemy have so much power. And to me, it's the same as Amazon or like you said, even Google. If you're doing dropshipping, then Google might just change their SEO and then you lose your position. Or on Amazon, you can get some bad reviews from some fake competitors and everything is quite often in the hands of other people and you just have to be prepared and not too attached and just flexible. Yeah, definitely. And what's one thing that's cool about Udemy is you can also put your courses on your own platform too. Like it's, yeah. it's not mutually exclusive. So, you know, you can technically build your courses on Udemy following their templates and formats, which makes it much easier than doing it on your own. Save a copy of all the videos, which you should do anyways. Yeah. And then just put it on your own site and just call it something else. Yeah. And now you have your your own course that you can sell for more. You know, maybe you can include some bonuses like yeah. group calls or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you can also leave it on Udemy for the cheaper price. Yeah. I actually have my course on a bunch of different sites like Udemy. Um, and they don't make anywhere near as much, but still it adds up. Like you were saying, lifetime value. You know, a lot of them pay me one or $200 a month. And then that's an extra few grand a year. You know, I'll take that. Um, and it's nice that Udemy don't require exclusivity. And I think I agree with you. That's probably what I would recommend to people is to get started on Udemy just to have your training wheels on and then self-host. And you can either take it off Udemy or you can rename it and add some extra stuff, like some one-on-one time, like you said. Um, I think that's how I would recommend people get started with the least kind of uphill struggle. So we had on... Uh... Another course creator, Sean Dalton, on episode 211. He was a photographer that turned into an online course creator. Cool. He sells, he puts his course on Skillshare. Yeah. Have, have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I've actually got them on Skillshare as well. Um, I only started doing Skillshare pretty recently because, you know, I'm just living that passive income life. Um, and the thing that I found weird about Skillshare is that you don't seem to have much control over the ranking you can choose your thumbnail and you can choose your title but on Udemy there's courses about how to rank on Udemy and you know there's lots of you can do kind of tag keywords and there's lots of things that you can influence whereas on Skillshare it seemed like you just upload it and kind of just YOLO it um so I did upload my courses on there but I was a bit freaked out that I wasn't able to influence them very much yeah I think from his um his episode, if you guys want to listen to it, it's 2.11. Basically, he said that in the beginning, it was it's really slow to start. Mm-hmm. And the way that he gets new students now is he basically just messages them through the platform saying, I have a new course. And that keeps okay. the ball rolling. So he messages his existing students about new courses. Yeah. yeah. And for him, it's really, really smart. He's very niche. He's just selling photography courses. Yeah. And photography is a great market. It's definitely one of the biggest markets on Udemy. So I'm sure it's the same on Skillshare. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've messed up on by being too diverse is mm-hmm. having courses about two, like really random topics. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I have six courses on Udemy and like there are six completely different topics. <laughs> So, like, it hasn't helped to be able to contact the students, existing students, and saying, hey, check out this new course on something that you never heard of or cared about. Yeah, yeah, I found that. Like, the instructors who I work with regularly, when we promote to their existing Udemy students, it really helps with the launch, like you were saying. And 
I kind of I don't always like to recommend it because it's hard for people starting because they don't have that Udemy like internal mailing list. But once you've done a couple of courses, it's a lot easier to get that first boost and get on the first page. Yeah, I agree. But this is with everything, you know, like, yeah, if you want to start a second YouTube channel and you already have 10,000 subscribers on your first, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. But I think that shouldn't be something to stop people from getting started in the first place. Yeah. If anything, it means you should get started yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like that a lot. So it's been it's been fun. Thanks for being so open and sharing all this stuff. Yeah, of course. It's I mean, you were a big part of the journey at the start. So it's nice to kind of come full circle now and be on the podcast as someone who I used to really look up to. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. But, you know, that has always been the goal of the podcast. Yeah. Is I love it when people are listening to the podcast. They actually do the work mm-hmm. instead of just sitting, you know, twiddling their thumbs. And then they come back and they're like, oh, yeah, now I'm making 100 grand a year from <laughs> something I heard about from you. Yeah. And that makes me really happy. Yeah. It, it feels really unattainable when you're first starting, but it's 100% achievable. If you can kind of go back in time, what would you tell yourself? Make more courses. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just go, just go hard on the really big keywords and just believe in yourself more. Like if Larissa hadn't agreed to do that course with me, I probably never would have done it. I probably would have done a bit of freelancing, something I was more secure in. Um, and Udemy totally changed my life. So I totally owe it to you and Larissa, but also just her saying you can do it. And I just did it. And then I just like ran full force at it. So yeah, I think just believing that you don't have to be perfectly qualified. You don't have to be the number one camera person in the world. You just have to have a camera and just turn it on and see what happens. Yeah, like that. So shout out to Larissa if you're listening. And also I want to acknowledge you for actually putting in the work and treating it like I don't want to say a job, but like really putting your heart into it. Yeah. Because I think if you had gone the other way of just saying, all right, well, I'm just going to, you know, scam this Udemy system and mm-hmm. just throw a bunch of crap courses out mm-hmm. there that no one cares about and just try to SEO it. Yeah. You wouldn't be where you are today. It yeah. might have worked for a little while, but it wouldn't be a sustainable long-term source of income that's actually growing versus, you know, dying. Yeah. So the fact that you, you know, really put time into making the courses, you know, good, like, mm. it, you know, not perfect, but good. Yeah. You know, and, you know, thinking of things that you actually want to teach that can help people, you know, taking the time to make sure the quality was good. Mm-hmm. I think that was so important. And that's something that a lot of people starting out in the digital nomad scene kind of forget about. You mm-hmm. know, they're like, all right, well, you know, I have no money. I quit my job. I'm now in Thailand. How can I make money tomorrow? Yeah. And this life doesn't work that way. Yeah. I think that's actually where the four hour work week is amazing, but has maybe done a little bit of damage in some areas because you just immediately think, what's the quickest way to make a course? Maybe I can outsource it to get a Siri voiceover and just have a PowerPoint. And someone recommended to me the other day to download, um, the like free ebooks that are kind of publicly available um, and get someone else to voice over it and someone else to make a PowerPoint. And I was like, I could do that, but I wouldn't be proud of it. And I think it's important that sometimes it takes 80 hours, not four hours, but it's worth it because it pays off for lifetime value and it's something that you're really proud of. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I, I know f- like right now, for example, on YouTube, there are a lot of these really terrible voiceover yeah. videos about topics that maybe like people are searching for but there's not enough content about Mm -hmm. so they currently will show up if you're searching for something really obscure right but those will not last and i think even though they might make a couple bucks now 
they're always going to be kind of chasing that penny because mm-hmm. it's going to keep dropping, and they're, they're going to be the ones complaining that you know YouTube changed its search algorithm or took down their course or yeah. nobody's buying it anymore, and then they have to find the next shiny object. Yeah. Versus doing something well and creating good value will always work, and in the long time, the lifetime value will be worth it. Yeah. And now, Udemy for me is a zero-hour work week. <laughs> so you have to put in the time up front if you want passive income. It doesn't just fall from the sky. Yeah, and I, I agree because with um, – so the back end of Udemy, for, for those who don't know, there's your revenue report at the end of the month, and it'll say, you know, your promotion activity. And for mine, it almost always says zero. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And then you'll have sales that came in from Udemy homepage, Udemy's organic – and then even Udemy's ad program, yeah, which is them spending money on Facebook ads and Google ads, taking out advertisements saying, would you like to buy Luis's course? Yeah, I get served my own ads all the time because I teach with other people. So they don't know that I'm involved in the course. You know, Udemy don't necessarily always realize that that's my Facebook page. But yeah, I get served ads all the time for my own courses. And people send me screenshots all the time like, oh, Louise, your face just came up on my YouTube channel or on my um, Facebook feed promoting your courses. And I think that is so cool. Yeah, I love it. And even though they take a huge percentage when they're spending money, they're doing all the work. They're doing they're taking on the risk and we're basically just reaping that benefit yeah so if you want to give me three bucks all the time for doing no work you know go ahead exactly right? yeah i love it so if you want to keep in touch with you they want to check out your follow you on instagram or on youtube how do they find you digital nomad girl on facebook no not on facebook <laughs> <laughs> um on youtube and instagram that's the place to find me all right yeah i guess you can also look for that on facebook if you want to join jenny's group yeah go support them as well they're yeah. awesome it'd probably be good to have some of my listeners in there so because i can't join it so <laughs> I can, <laughs> and spread the word uh, about the podcast and if you like this episode share it with your friends take a screenshot you know tag a friend in it send it to someone on in dm Uh, whatever it is, because I think this is really inspiring. And and I think your story is really going to help people who maybe were in your position, you know, five years ago thinking, if I can only make 10 grand a month, it's impossible. But now you're doing it. So congrats. Yeah, I really hope so. That's totally the goal of this podcast. Yeah. And if you guys want to follow me, uh, I am Johnny FDK on Instagram. And you can search for Johnny FD on YouTube. And hopefully I'll see all of you at the next Nomad Summit. We're doing one in Cancun this October 11th, I believe. Go to nomadsummit.com for the info on the Mexican uh, Digital Nomad Conference, our first ever. And then keep in touch for the next one in January in uh, Chiang Mai again, nomadsummit.com. Nice one. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.